All right, welcome to Comic Chat number 20. Yeah, this is uh, the 20th episode of this podcast. I am your host, Glendon McGee. I'm a nine-year comedian in the Phoenix, Arizona area. I'm originally from Compton, California. Uh, today's date is Monday, March the 8th. 2021. Uh, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Radio Public, and Breaker, and also on this beautiful streaming platform, Anchor. Uh, yeah, it's um, been a kind of a lazy week as far as doing physical comedy. I think I did what? I think I did maybe two mics last week because I, I I had a whole slate of open mics that I was going to do but then you know I just started not feeling it because sometimes open mics uh, they demotivate me because of the lack of uh, passion that be at the mics like a lot of people just do comedy and they, they uh, create an identity for themselves just because they do it but they really don't they really don't have any heart for it or they really don't want to take it serious unless it's rewarding them monetarily so I get uh kind of annoyed with being um in that energy because it it's kind of like being around a bunch of energy vampires people who just sucking you dry because they're not really into what you into and their purpose there is not the same purpose as yours so you know it kind of demotivated at me last week uh i allowed it to demotivate me but anyway i did a lot of uh writing and also did a lot of mental programming with affirmations and, and things like that and uh so i kind of made up for my lack of going up on stage last week just by uh, doing more off stage work like writing. And it wasn't like I was writing jokes. I was just writing uh, short stories and things like that just to keep myself writing in a daily uh, habit of writing. So I think this week was very productive. Uh, coming to America it was released on Amazon Prime. Uh, a couple days ago and it is uh, lighting the internet on fire with mixed reviews there is some a lot of reviews I've been seeing is that it was a great movie and that black people should like it because it's our culture and it's our movie and all that shit but I'm like how come every time we got a movie about our culture it gotta be a parody or a fucking joke or something but when white people make a movie about their culture they all strong and war-minded and conquering shit like uh, Braveheart and 300 and uh, Gladiator and shit. We get Black Panther and uh, uh, coming to America. This is a fact that they spelled two with the number two should let you know that it was just a, a, a parody, a parody of black culture. And the fact that uh, black people are accepting this movie like it's some form of justice for all the things that we've been going through as a people is just ridiculous. 
We always, every time they they want us, they allow they allow us to uh, portray ourselves in Hollywood, and it's never as strong and and uh, powerful and dignified as the real people of Africa were. It's always got to be some oh lordy lordy Tom and Jeffing bullshit, and then we. We just sit here and accept it because we so desperate for, for white people to accept us as in this country that we'll take any and every little uh, punk-ass handout they give us in, in, in entertainment. And it just goes to show you that we really still not respected as citizens in this country, and, and it's, um, it's really sad. But uh, if you enjoy the movie, enjoy the movie for your own purposes. Don't uh, do it for someone else. Uh, I will not watch the movie because I seen one clip and they photoshopped young Eddie Murphy in a scene with uh, Arsenio Hall dressed in drag. And I was like, oh, they're using Photoshop in movies now. So I'm not going to uh, be watching Coming to America. Uh, today is very, very uh, laid back. I know that I started off kind of fiery about the movie, but that was just more or less of me uh, getting tired of the social media uh, bombardment of black people trying to uh, guilt trip other black people into accepting what they like. And I, and that's another thing I have uh, a problem with in this current dynamic of humanity is that we really have a hard time dealing with a difference of opinion it's like if you don't think exactly like I think you wrong like there there is not more than one possibility or one solution to to things like it's wrong for a person to think like they actually think they should just uh, lower themselves so that you won't be triggered because you can't handle people uh, not having the same opinion as yourself. So, you know, it's just that's what really caused me to go off like that about the movie. And, and also because of the the subject and uh, the way they, they portray us in those type of movies, too. I'm just getting tired of black people being fucking clowns and shit. They might as well have us tap dancing and shit like they used to do back in the old days. So, yeah, that's that's just really, um, really fucked up, man, that we really have to accept this low level version of ourselves in order to have some type of uh, ownership of uh, something or something that represents us in uh, entertainment or even a white media. But. Anyway, uh, Pepe Le Pew is in the news, too. Uh, They're canceling him. And I just want to say cancel culture should just... It's just another fancy word for a angry white woman. That's all it means. Because it ain't nothing but angry Karens out here. Nitpicking. Thinking that they're making a difference. But we can get... we uh, We can get rid of... Peppy Le Pew, we can get rid of um, Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben, but Colonel Sanders and the Quaker Oat Man, they get to stay. 
they are actual figures from slavery. Yeah, Colonel Sanders was born uh, maybe almost 30 years, 25 years after uh, slavery. But what the character represents is my problem with Colonel Sanders. And then somebody asked me, why is the Quaker old man racist? Because the Quakers were the ones driving the ship with us crammed underneath. The Quakers brought us here in America. The Quakers helped break us in the Caribbean. So that's why the Quaker old man and Colonel Sanders, I think they should be removed if white people are really serious about this. Uh, we should be better towards our colored brothers shit that they're 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 planning to be on because that is just every time we have a democratic president it seems like the negro panning pandering it goes into hyperdrive they want to they want to make a make it look like they're doing everything to try to make up for all the years that we've been mistreated in the country and it's really just them setting up something because uh good friend of mine's mother told me when uh somebody give you uh one thing all the time and then all of a sudden they switch up the menu it may be poison in the dish so that's my whole thing with all this uh pandering and then they they pander to black people and they're pandering to women and uh this is natural national women's month i guess uh nothing against women but it seems like everybody who gets canceled is a man everybody who's being canceled is men i haven't heard not one lady get canceled and I think Cardi B should have got canceled because she admitted to drugging and robbing dudes so I think that she should have been canceled a long time ago but sexism is only one-sided women can do whatever they do and say whatever they want about a man but as soon as a man open his mouth about a woman negatively He's a monster. And I usually don't say these type of things because I'm afraid of the backlash, but I'm just tired of holding it in because I'll be sitting in my house every day uh, reading social media, looking at women, bashing dudes and getting away with it. And as soon as we say something back, we get mobbed by angry women and uh, punk ass dudes who think if they turn on their gender that they'll get some sex from from these angry women. And I, I think it worked because they probably wouldn't do it if it didn't work. So, I mean, more power to them if that's how they feel like they got to get some loving. But I think that we need to re-examine ourselves, both men and women, black and white. We need to re-examine ourselves because we have a problem. We have a problem. All these uh, distractions and ways to divide each other. But we don't have not one way to come together. We can't even reach a compromise on racism. We can't even reach a compromise on racism. It's got to be 100% racism or, or, or we just don't want anything black or anything that could be considered racist at all. It's like we can't get rid of racism because that's how America was built. So for us to be um, <clears throat> pretending like we're going to eradicate racism, 
It's a crock of shit. Because it was built on the backs of slaves. America was built on the backs of slaves and the cruelty of slave masters. So we ain't going to destroy that energy because you can't destroy any energy once it's created. And America wouldn't be America without racism. And I know that that sounds weird, but think about it. Just try to picture a white people actually getting along with everybody of color. You probably wouldn't even trust that shit if you was a colored person because it's been so fucked up for so long. You wouldn't know what to think. But this was just me going off, you know, because I really uh, hold in a lot of my opinions because the cancel culture and saying the wrong thing and not being able to be booked because you speak your your truth. <clears throat> and I know that I sound like a racist or whatever, but no, I do not hate white people. I just think that they are unfair and unreasonable and they do not care about people of color. They do a great job of pretending when they need a job every four years, but as far as really being concerned about how we feel and listening to how we uh we are being affected by how this this country is being ran and how systematically we are being excluded from things that we deserve. Uh, that's how I feel about it, man. I'm sorry if I offend, but I'm this is how I feel about it. As a black person, I feel like it's fucked up and white people do nothing to try to <clears throat> to change it. They pretend like a white person will go and wear a Black Lives Matter shirt. And they'll post BLM every day and all day. But every time I've had somebody white do something racist to me in front of other white people, they never said anything. I had to stick up for myself. Some, as, and sometimes they laugh like it was a big joke. And then once I say something, they try to say, well, calm down, bro. It's a joke. Yeah, a joke at my expense because I'm black. But I'm not supposed to say nothing because... You're supposed to be superior to me. But anyway, I'm going to start off this episode. I know I'm like 14 minutes in, but uh, learn how to say more for me when you feel judged. Because a lot of us will change ourselves just because... Someone else is like, nah, I don't want to do that, man. Like, I'll tell people about meditation and they'll side eye me or roll their eyes and they don't want to hear it because it, they, to them it sounds like hocus pocus and a lot of uh, shit that's not even uh, real. But uh, I've been doing it for three years and I haven't really been stressed out. I haven't really had any problems. I've had, I've grown uh, an affinity and a love for not just myself, but everyone and all the things around me. So it's doing a, a wonderful job for me. So when people be like, oh, I don't know, I don't want to hear about that, man. I'll just be like, fine. More meditation for me. More peace for me. More love for me. If you don't want to ease your own stressing and you don't want to gain control of your thoughts, then I can't force you. All I could do is make a suggestion. And I think a lot of us should do more of more for me when people say or when you tell somebody you don't agree with them or you don't like something that they like. 
Just say, fine, more for me. Don't try to change their mind because you can't control other people. The only you can, but you, the only way you can do it is by gaining more control of yourself. You can't really control the direct actions of others, but you can control them by controlling who you allow in your reality and how you allow them to affect your reality. So that's how you control others. And I think if more people learn to say more for me, then there'll be more self-acceptance in America and in the world. And then most it won't be that much insecurity. And then everybody might just get along. I won't say that it won't be racist. Maybe it'll be less racist. Maybe we'd be more considerate. Maybe we'll see each other for the beautiful beings that we are. But until then, when you feel judged, just say more for me. Whatever it is. Whether it be drinking, whether it be smoking weed, whatever you love to do. If somebody talking bad about something you love to do, or you trying to uh, suggest that somebody should try something, and they're like, oh no, I'm good. Just say fine. More for me then. Uh, my next point is um, the creator's gifts only add to you and it doesn't be it doesn't have any uh, doesn't be it doesn't have any um, negativity with it because the energy of the creator is love so everything that you are granted by its uh, magnificent mercy is love so if it's taken away from you it wasn't the creator that given it that gave it to you it was the ego anything that repels is most likely ego everything that attracts is of the creator because that is an it is an attractive energy and our whole universe is based upon attraction so the creator's gifts only add to you they don't take anything from you they don't bring things into your life that are harmful they don't it doesn't uh it's not laced in negativity. It is uh, nothing but pure positivity. And uh, people only feel what you feel about yourself. That's my next point. People only feel about you what you feel about yourself. So if you feel like a lot of people are talking about you, a lot of people are bad-mouthing you, either one or two things is happening. You are around the wrong people or you're not doing a good enough job of loving yourself. You're still living below your own vibration and you're still uh, surrendering to the will of other people. And uh, that is not healthy. That lowers your vibration and it lowers your overall attractiveness. But we all feel like we need to um, have friends. But in order to attract the right friends or the right mate or the right people, you have to have the right beliefs and you have to have the right feelings and the right thoughts about yourself because if you don't 
your magnet, which is yourself, will only attract that that is negative and that decays and uh, tears things down. So don't worry about what people think about you because people only feel about you what you feel about yourself. And uh, I'm going to just, you know, cut into some comedy because I did do some comedy this week. Uh, I did uh, DBG and Friends last night at uh, JP's Comedy Club in Gilbert. Uh, look at look. Find them on Instagram at JP's Comedy. Uh, it was hosted by Trevor Michio. Uh, I think you can find him at Trevor Michio on Instagram. And uh, the headliner was Daniel Bridge Gad. Uh, he's a young comedian. He, he goes. I, I respect him because he, he rolls all the way out to Phoenix from a uh, surprise. And that's like what two hours away from here. And he does it like every day just to get his time. And he's he's a young guy and he's new to the game, but I uh, ex- I respect his determination and I respect his grind and uh find him on Instagram at, at Daniel Bridge Gad. Uh it was a fantastic show. I wish I could have stayed to the end, but I was getting I got a ride from another comic and they had to uh get up for work early so i had to leave shortly after my set i had a great time it was a fantastic set i um i closed on a joke that i i I hate but i don't want to say i hate it because it sounds ungrateful because it's like my best joke but it's a joke where i kind of poke fun at retarded people but people say that it's okay that i could do it because I'm a handicapped person. I have cerebral palsy. I was born with it. Uh, I've been um, I've been dealing with it for my whole life. I'm almost 40 years old, and you know I'm still dealing with it. So people say it's um, it's okay for me to do it because uh, you know I'm handicapped, and it's not really a uh, poking fun at at the mentally disabled. But I feel like if I do that in front of somebody who's like mentally disabled, even though they probably won't know that I'm talking about them. I know that I'm making fun and it feels it feels wrong in a sense. But I I also don't like the joke because it became its own energy and it created its own identity and it started to swallow me as a performer because uh I ha- it's a character joke and the character name is Raisin and uh, people started actually calling me Raisin in the comedy scene and you know when audience members who've seen me do that joke whenever they come to another show they would be like hey what's up Raisin so I kind of killed the character because of that because I didn't want to go through uh, what Gary Coleman went through and like um Julio White and all the other guys who are synonymous with one character and because fans when they attach themselves to a character if it's good enough they'll attach they'll attach themselves that character to you for the rest of your life and you won't be able to be who you really are. I won't be able to go out in public and be Glendon McGee because people love Raisin so much that every time they see me they perceive me as Raisin instead of Glendon McGee. So 
that kind of makes me hate the joke, but it is still my best joke, which says a lot about me because the joke is like eight years old. But I mean, I guess because that joke uh, is really close to me because it was a trauma that I went through and I created that joke to make me uh, be able to better accept that uh, event. It was a joke about, basically, it was about my homeboy who was murdered in 2005 in front of me. Got shot in the head right in front of me and died right there on the uh, sidewalk. And uh, that was the first time I ever seen somebody get shot. And the first time I ever witnessed uh, death up close. And of course, he was my friend. We used to uh, chill every day. We used to play fighting shit. Like he was like one of my brothers or something. So it really affected me when when he passed. And I didn't know how to deal with it because I'm not a crier. It's really hard for me to, to cry because uh, I've been toughened up by crazy uncles. And, you know, they punch you in the chest for crying. And, you know, step back like a punk, you know, that type of shit. So I'm really uh, emotionally kind of unstable when it comes to uh, mourning. So... Uh, in order to help me process it and better accept what happened, I created a joke where I get killed in a drive-by and he's my best friend and he survives. So and everybody loves it because it's, they, they'd they say it's like a mixture of like two Cuba Gooden Jr. movies or, or whatever. But I um, I just wrote that joke to uh, deal with that. And because they say the best jokes... Uh, come from you and your best jokes must be attached to you in some way the the real you uh, so i wrote that joke and uh the response is always good they always get an applause break i always get a big laugh but a, a part of me always feels like a jerk because i don't want to feel like i'm punching down at the uh disabled community because i'm a part of the disabled community and i represent disabled people whenever I take the stage and I won't I don't ever want anybody with a disability to ever think that I am making fun of their struggle because I understand so yeah but it was overall it was a fun show I got to meet some young guys got to teach them some things got to show them a little bit about the game I said something that was um even knowledge to me I told uh I was talking to Chris Herb. You can find him on Instagram, at Chris Herb. Uh, I told him that, you know, when you fuck up on stage, you don't have to keep talking. Which you don't. Because a lot of times when you fuck up on stage and you keep talking, you just make the... You just dig a bigger trench for yourself. And then you start flailing and then your energy is flailing and the audience picks up on it. And then if you got a pretty good heckler in the audience, he's going to feast on you because he, he senses the fear. It's just like when, when you're scared of a dog and they just keep barking because they smell that fear. They smell that scent of fear on you and, and they're on that, that scent so hard that they have to react to it. And they, they react aggressively because you shouldn't have fears. Fear is a deterrent of faith and belief in oneself. So when you're fearful, you don't have faith 
and you don't have a belief in yourself or the creator. So you don't have to like keep talking if you fuck up. You could just stop, regather yourself, make fun of yourself fucking up. You you can do a lot of things when you're um in a spin on stage because I I tell a lot of comedians that comedy is more or less about not thinking than it is about thinking. I compare it a lot to baseball because they're both bullshit, but fun is hell. And I say that, um, I use this analogy, like you ever seen a baseball game with a, where the baseball manager goes out to the mound to visit the pitcher because he's uh, throwing a couple bad balls and they're in some trouble on the base pads and they got uh, runners all over the place. And he just goes out there and he says some shit to him and then the dude is just like back on track. It's like he don't even say nothing about baseball most of the time. He might just look him right in the eye and go, so how was that chick you banged last night? And then the pitcher might just go, huh, she was hot. And then he'll ask, well, you think that you can get this batter out? You're like, all right, I got him. And then next thing you know, he's throwing strikes again. The same thing with comedy. Do something. Ask yourself a question that has nothing to do with stand-up when you're on stage uh, fluttering around. Because that might just knock your thoughts on off of, uh, I'm not doing well. And you might be able to relax and regain your composure and continue the set and finish it strong. Well, I had a couple more topics, but we're approaching, approaching, (laughs) approaching the end of the show. Um, I probably won't be as busy this week, but I probably will be at uh, Padre Murphy's tonight. Um, Tempe Tavern tomorrow. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go to El Charo on Wednesday because I told myself that I have to take a month off because I think I'm getting too used to that venue. And uh, plus, I need to really buckle down and write some new material. So uh, I'll probably be, you know, doing those three shows and that'll probably be it for me uh, this week. Dodgers are doing okay in spring training. I think they're three, three and one. Uh, they they won today against the White Sox of Chicago, eight to nothing. So I can't wait for baseball season to start because I love baseball and it's so fun to do baseball and com and watch baseball and do comedy at the same time. Because uh, every they play every day and I get up almost every day, so it's kind of like <laughs> the same thing. So. Hopefully that this the Dodgers are able to run it back again and we can have another uh, championship in L.A. like we don't have enough. But uh, that's just uh, who L.A. is. It's a winning town. California is a trash can of a state, but L.A. is a winning town. We win and our energy is winning. And I hope that we win again. And the Lakers, I hope they... Uh, claim Andre Drum- Drummond after the Cavaliers buy him out and they're going to win another championship. If Andre Drummond comes to uh, L.A., they're going to win again because him and Anthony Davis, that's too much for anyone. And uh, Montrezl Harrell, they, they have too much size. They'll have too much size again. And uh, I think it'll be a cakewalk to another NBA championship. Uh, anyway, this has been Comic Chat. 
number 20. Hopefully, you're still fans of the podcast after my 15-minute rant at the beginning of this thing. But if you're not, I'm sorry. If you are, cool. I love you. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for watching this or watching, listening to this podcast. I'm all over the place because I'm trying to end it. Uh, My name is Glendon McGee. You can find me on Instagram. GM3 Comedy are on Facebook. Glendon Sin Black McGee. That's S-Y-N-B-L-A-C-K. S-Y-N-B-L-A-C-K. McGee on Facebook. Um, You can find this podcast on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Radio Public, and Breaker. Um, And also on this beautiful platform right here called Anchor. So, thank you all for listening. I am extremely happy and tremendously grateful for your support of this podcast, even though I can be outlandish and a little bit overly vulnerable at times. I appreciate everyone who comes and and listens and gives me their time and uh, hears me run my mouth for almost 35 minutes every week. I love you guys and I appreciate you because without you, I probably wouldn't have made it to 20 episodes. So I love everyone who listens to this. And I just want to say till next time, spread peace, love and harmony. And it shall come back to you tenfold. Have a harmonious week and goodbye.